0: Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Today, uh, Randy, we're continuing on with our series on um, Sex Addiction 101 is what we're calling it. So we're just kind of going through some of the basics about what sex addiction is, where it comes from, the addiction cycle. Uh, And today we're going to start in and talking about what to do about it.
1: Well, we have reached the point that uh, as we've been titling these, uh, technically on our show page, we've been calling them... Uh, The Basics of Sex Addiction, and this will be The Basics of Sex Addiction Part 5. Part 5, okay. Uh, So The
0: Basics of Sex Addiction Part 5. Last week we talked about etiology and where it came from, Uh, and this week we're going to start talking about basically something that I've called over the years, the last uh, 25 plus years, uh, the healthy sexuality model. Some of you might remember that we talked a little bit about this when we were involved in our series about the uh, uh, faithful and true workbook because we use the model in that workbook. But to set the model up, it has five dimensions that we need to look at when we think about the healing journey around sexual addiction. If you want to think about this visually in your own mind, you can think about a a diagram that has uh, an element or a a division of this in the middle, and that is spirituality. So we'll get to that last because it is, in fact, the most important. Uh, around the outside of it there is the behavioral dimension, the emotional dimension, the relational dimension, and the physical dimension. So uh, today why don't we talk about the uh, uh, behavioral dimension which is an old familiar topic for us.
1: Well that sounds good and and I think having a a vision uh, we know how important that is but to be able to see That kind of diagram in your mind, I think, is a powerful tool to be using with the listeners. Right.
0: So uh, let's talk about several things today. But the basic thing we need to uh, understand, I think, when we get to the behavioral dimension is uh, what behaviors are we wanting to stop? That includes, obviously, our definition of sobriety. And uh, our definition here of faithful and true is something we've come up with an acronym I think some of the listeners will be familiar with, particularly those who have been to the workshop. You know, we say that sobriety or purity, sexual purity, is uh, uh, a matter of lamp, L A M P, and L stands for lying. Adultery stands for uh, any kind of adultery, both emotional adultery and physical adultery, which would mean crossing the se- uh, the flesh line with another person. Emotional adultery would mean uh, telling another person intimate details of your life that you are not sharing with your spouse. Masturbation is uh, fairly obvious. Pornography is, you know, whatever you yourself as a recovering person decide is pornographic. And we've always said that pornography is in the mind of the beholder. So, you know, the things that cause sexual arousal in you would be things that you're now avoiding, whether it's in print form, video form, internet form, uh, narrative form, you know, that kind of thing. So... Uh, If you've established that in the behavioral dimension, remember the five dimensions, behavioral is the dimension which we're going to be stopping certain behaviors. If you're going to be stopping lying, adultery, masturbation, and pornography, that is your definition of sobriety. All right, so one of the things we talk about with this definition, uh, for those of you listening out there as couples, is that I think it's always very important for the addict, the husband who's struggling with addiction, to be very clear with his spouse, if he has one, Uh, about what his definition of sobriety is. And then I think part of the accountability of the behavioral dimension is that he is going to be uh, regularly reporting to his spouse that he is in fact sober. And uh, he doesn't really need to elaborate on that in terms of what he's not doing because uh, hopefully he's already given her the definition. I'm not lying, I'm not doing any form of adultery, I'm not masturbating, and I'm not looking at pornography. So the shorthand is if I say I'm sober today, the spouse would know that that's what I'm not doing.
1: So he's basically reporting in to his spouse right. as to his progress thus far this week.
0: Well, that's right in terms of, uh, uh, you know, is he staying sober? And, of course, you know, we have very high expectations here at Faithful and True that when you decide to get sober and follow this definition of sobriety, you can be sober the rest of your life. So. Well, and I'm
1: sure as that process uh, in the healing journey begins, there's got to be lots of doubt in the uh, in the mind of the spouse. Well there certainly is and there's a lack of trust and words are cheap
0: and uh, she's going to have to see in his behavior uh, that he's really turning some things around. Uh, One of the first things she'll see if he starts telling the truth is uh, she will obviously notice that uh, he's not sulking around, he's not uh, being uh, elusive, he's not uh, you know fading off into the distance but he's being very direct and and telling her the truth. It's not just about his sexual sobriety. It's about all things in his life, including, you know, his emotional and spiritual life. He's being honest about those things.
1: Well, and let's face it, who knows us better than our wives? That's
0: right. And they have an intuitive sense, I think, uh, most of the time of when we uh, are telling the truth and when we're not. So what we're asking the spouses to look at is if the addict says he's sober, that means he's not lying. Does that seem consistent with your perception of what's going on? Right. Right. All right, so the next thing we talk about in this behavioral dimension uh, around here is the uh, kind of the three-circle approach. Uh, And we've, again, talked about this on other shows. Today we're kind of organizing it uh, in terms of this five-dimension healthy sexuality model in terms of how we teach sexual addiction. But the three-circle model is basically, uh, it has an inner circle, which is called the red circle, and that's the one where we put our definition of sobriety, LAMP, that we just talked about. The middle circle is uh, usually called the yellow circle, and that's all the triggers, the vulnerabilities, the, uh, the various uh, boundary violations that we get into uh, that would lead us into acting out behavior. So yellow is for caution, red is for stop, and uh, yellow should be teaching us that there are There are vulnerabilities, rituals, which we talked about in our show, I think, two shows ago. So go back and review that in terms of uh, if you know what your rituals are that get you into acting out, there's going to have to be boundaries around the ritual behaviors that you engage in. So the outer circle is all the green circle stuff that we talk about that are green for go, and this is all the stuff that we're going to be starting that is healthy self-care, you know, the spirituality, the emotional self-care, physical self-care, you know, going to therapy, having your daily meditations, exercising, eating right, seeing a physician, fun stuff you're having and doing with your spouse. I mean, there's probably, you know, or should be 50 things in the in the
1: green circle that you're doing for your self-care so it sounds like the ultimate new year's resolution mark it's like yeah. you're trying to clean your personal slate right. and and start a new uh series of healthy behaviors yeah that's
0: exactly right you we were talking at lunch today which mm. we uh, normally eat before we come down and, and uh, record this radio show that you know all of us are into holistic health we're into natural supplements we're into diet stuff i mean that uh, that would all be Green circle stuff. It's uh, it's true that if you know I'm feeling uh, uh, nutritionally and you know physically uh, more healthy, I'm I'm more likely uh, to make healthy decisions. So you know there's just a myriad of, of possibilities. But the green circle is all about self-care. The yellow circle is all about danger. It's all about caution. It's all all about slow down. The rituals are things we have to have boundaries on. Uh, I don't have. One of my boundaries in terms of my affair acting out, uh, as I've said so many times before, is that I I don't have private conversations with women anymore, even to the point where I don't uh, counsel women individually. So uh, there's other aspects of my ritual that I have boundaries around. The other thing about the yellow circle is that we need to recognize when we're more vulnerable. Today I had to get up really early to take our son to the airport, and so I'm noticing I'm tired. That would make me more uh, vulnerable. The old acronym that we always use is HALT, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I always add a B to that for boredom. So if I'm more vulnerable, that's danger, that's slowdown, that's caution, you know. And then, you know, with all of this yellow circle stuff, we need to have healthy boundaries. One of them could be, you know, you need to get more sleep. I mean, that's healthy self-care. That would be in the green circle. We also have to have what we call fire drills when we get into the yellow circle. That means we haven't acted out yet. We're in danger of acting out. And... uh, you know what? Uh, who are we going to call? Uh, who are we going to talk to? What intervention on ourselves are we going to make? Uh, what what meetings? What groups are we going to go to to wake us up out of the funk that we uh, sometimes get into? We're, when
1: we're in that yellow circle. And this reinforces again your constant theme of the importance of accountability partners.
0: That's right. You need
1: to have your phone already loaded with those trusted. Uh, accountability partners
0: that's right we're going to get to accountability maybe we should do that in the second half of our show
1: well we can do that and in fact as you mentioned second half of the show why don't we take our break at this point and when we come back we'll continue this discussion you're listening to dr mark laser and this is the men of valor program Faithful and dot com to learn more. That's Faithful dot com. Time now for the trigger of the week.
0: Trigger of the week, Randy, I was uh, driving with Debbie up to a medical appointment this morning, and we were listening to uh, uh, our local news talk, major CBS station, uh, WCCO, which most uh, mornings when I listen to it, I really think that WCCO sits, should stand for World's Constant Commercial Organization because they have so many commercials. But they were doing the news, and they were doing the traffic and the weather, and uh, I'm noticing now that you know each segment... Has its own sponsor. That's why I call it the world's constant commercial organization. But um, the sponsor today of the weather portion was Allure Intimate Apparel. So this is the news talk station, and then they were talking about bras and lingerie and all this kind of stuff. And I said, this is you know morning drive time stuff. You know, I really don't want to be hearing about you know Allure lingerie when I'm trying to listen uh, in for the news. So well, anyway, for to- me, that was my trigger of the day today. <laughs> well, <least.
1: laughs> it's, it's a dangerous combination. Allure and and lingerie yeah. um, is going to be a uh, a trigger attack really on any guy.
0: Well, you know, when I think about it, I think about the Victoria's Secrets and other stores that are out there that, you know, what could show up easily on a lot of our weekly triggers of the week. Uh, you know, the commercials, the Victoria's Secret commercials that are on a lot of athletic events, I've noticed. But for today, I'm, I'm picking on WCCO. Uh, for having a sponsor like that, you know, in the morning drive time uh, uh, period of time,
1: which so. is ironic because the station has always kind of branded itself as the good neighbor.
0: The good neighbor. We're the good neighbor. The family, <laughs> the family station. Family friendly. Yep. Yeah, we're not doing all the adolescent humor that they're doing on the sports talk station, right? Right. Uh, and all of that kind of stuff. So it's a little disappointing. Uh, yeah, but anyway, that's
1: my trigger of the week. For- we appreciate you sharing that with us. So. <laughs> Let's bring our listeners back to today's program.
0: Well, yeah, so we're talking about, uh, again, uh, we're starting to present this five-dimensional healthy sexuality model. Remember the dimensions are behavioral, emotional, relational, physical, and then uh, spiritual in the middle of it. Uh, today we're talking behavioral, and we've talked about uh, you know, how we define sobriety, how we talk to our spouse about that. We're also uh, just talking about the yellow circle, the three-circle plan the red circle, the green circle, the uh, yellow circle. So now, uh, anytime we're trying to stop something or start something, uh, that's when I think we need accountability to come into our uh, lives. And really, the behavioral dimension is uh, is all about establishing adequate accountability in your life. And this is, again, stuff we've talked about a lot before. I believe that there are seven major principles of accountability and uh, Let's just go over those seven. Uh, I obviously have a book about this, The Seven Principles of Accountability for Men, but they can be gone over quickly. I take them out of the story of Nehemiah, and in that book, I'll you know show you how in the first six chapters of the book of Nehemiah, you can find all seven of these principles. But for the purpose of the show today, let's just talk about the seven principles. Uh, number one principle of accountability is that we as addicts need to recognize Uh, that we are powerless uh, over uh, the decisions that we make, at least historically. We haven't completely surrendered our lives to Christ. We haven't totally depended on God. We've tried to take control or keep control of our own sexuality. And principle number one is the only way to be accountable is to recognize that you're powerless, you're weak, you need help, you're humble, you're broken. Uh, And uh, it's only going to be with the help of other men uh, that you're finally going to be able to get sober. Some guys think, uh, I can do this if I could just get closer to God. Uh, well, I think we do get closer to God. And as we'll see in one of our later principles, we do that through a community of men. Uh, some guys think they're arrogant enough to think that I have enough willpower or ego strength to stop this stuff. Well, if that were true, you know, then they wouldn't be be dealing with a full-blown addiction. So this is really kind of our original sin, prideful nature that we think we can control our own life. So we can't do anything else with accountability if we cannot humbly uh, recognize that we need help. That's principle number one. Principle number two is that uh, when we're in accountability with other men, uh, we better be able to talk honestly about both of our feelings and our needs. And we practice this a lot here uh, at all of our counseling groups and all of our counseling sessions. We uh, continually are asking people to identify and be honest about you know how they are feeling. How can anyone in the accountability network help you if they don't know what you're feeling? Feelings are uh, often a foreign language for a lot of our men, and so we're going to have to get some training, like teaching them French or German or Spanish. Uh, and sometimes we just give them feeling charts with feeling words on them and have them practice experimenting with which of those feelings does seem to apply to them. I noticed that some of the guys who are farther down the road in their recovery, uh, their usual check-in is uh, they would have four or five different feelings. Sometimes even ones that seem opposed to each other can coexist. And I think uh, a lot of times the men are learning what we call the ampersand, that at times I can be angry or I could be sad and I can be you know, optimistic or you know, whatever it is, there's oftentimes when many different feelings can can coexist. The needs part, I think, is the most difficult thing to learn in recovery, to have a very specific need. Uh, If we're going to be accountable, we're going to need to be able to, and that's where we use the word need as it should, we should be able to state our specific needs. We were talking to a man this week, uh, actually this morning, uh, he's going on a business trip tonight, um, uh, and I was just kind of prompting him a little bit, uh, cause his wife was with him and his wife is anxious about whether he stays sober while he's out there on the road. And I said, perhaps with your accountability group today, um, uh, you should get with them in a phone call or phone calls and ask some of them or state a need that, uh, tonight when you get to this hotel in New York city, uh, you need some phone calls. And, uh, he agreed that, uh, he would send out an email to all the members of his group to ask them, whoever f- feels like it tonight, if they would call him. Uh, and I suspect tonight that four or five guys will call him. Those of us that have had uh, you know, medical issues or whatever, uh, it's, been a, it's been a tough year for me of learning how to ask for physical help and to uh, recognize uh, that for a while I, I wasn't able to lift anything. Uh, you know, I needed to state needs to other men. I went over to a neighbor the other day because we received a shipment of something that was in a big, heavy box, and I could not lift it into our house. So I went over and got the neighbor and stated a need. Uh, you know, Jerry, I have a need for you to lift this box into my house so I can unpack it. I'll tell you, you know, you have to swallow your pride, which if you sure. remember principle one is what we're supposed to be doing anyway. You
1: well, know? especially when you have been un- unquestionably man's man your entire life so when you get to a point or you get to an age or you get to a physical condition you know in the past you've never had to ask for that kind of help you've always been you you work out on a regular basis physical strength and you know these kind of issues have never been on your plate before
0: well you know sometimes when we uh, learn how to state needs we are going to have to let go of something Uh, that can involve grieving which is a whole other thing we could talk about in the emotional dimension of the healthy sexuality model but yes we have to swallow our pride we have to recognize our losses and uh, we need to ask for help and the more specific we can be about even mundane things uh, the better it is i mean we don't go up to somebody and say i need you to pray for world peace well we all need to pray for world (laughs) peace but you know i i needed help lifting a box we could go on with examples Uh, i'm just saying for today think practically, think small, swallow your pride, ask for help, state your needs. That's a part of being accountable. That's principle number two. Uh, number three is we all, you know, if we got all this stuff going on, you know, one person in our accountability network, and so many guys tell me I have an accountability partner or one accountability partner, that's never enough. No. And, what, what if he's busy? Uh, what if he's busy or it doesn't answer his phone or lost his phone or You know, you've called him so much, he's getting tired of hearing the sound of your voice. Uh, So principle number three is you need an accountability group, and that group needs to uh, contain at least 10 names in it. And we were noticing the other night that at least in the history of the Tuesday night group, right now on that uh, group list, we have 45 names. Now, 30 of those names haven't been to group in a long time, but we keep sending out emails to them and say, do you want to stay on the list even though you're not coming to group? And they always say yes, because they know that uh, these are all men that they're aware of. And, you know, if they get into trouble, they know that, you know, they've got 45 names uh, and somebody's go, always going to answer the phone. But at a bare minimum, I think we need 10 guys. We need to have those guys' phone number uh, in our speed dial. And, uh, you know, part of our fire drill uh, is that we're going to need to call them. So the principle is, uh, based on the book of Nehemiah, we need an army uh, and uh, these are the men, in my case, that are going to help me uh, when, I am, when I am weak, uh, they can be strong for me. So I could go on with this one, there's a lot of stuff to preach about. This is one of my favorite principles, because I think it's the one that's the most neglected. Number four uh, in accountability is that all of us have, uh, in our sexual addiction histories, we have uh, stuff, uh, I call it stuff. That we need to get rid of. We may have a stash of pornography. We may have uh, secret credit cards. We may have a secret email address. Uh, we may have various paraphernalia that we use to act out. We may have an affair partner that we're still communicating with. Principle number four is we need to get rid of all the garbage in our life, all the bad stuff, all the ritual stuff, all the acting out stuff. And in some cases, uh, Uh, If it's practical, if it's a a stash of pornography, if it's a computer... I actually talked to a guy who'd seen that movie uh, Fireproof the other day, and he had used his computer to make connections for sexual encounters with women, and it was a smaller computer that he kept hidden in the basement, and uh, he got so angry with himself uh, that he went down, took a sledgehammer, and uh, actually smashed it. That's what happens in the movie Fireproof, by the way. So um, I think it cost him a lot of money, but he... He didn't want to have access to this anymore. I had another guy. This has been years ago. He was looking at porn on his cell phone, and uh, uh, we were so critical of how he was using it in uh, our Tuesday night counseling group that he actually went outside, uh, put the cell phone under one of his tires, backed over it, and then brought the completely smashed cell phone back into the group. group. Said here. I'm getting rid of all the garbage in my life. Whenever I ask this principle, I, I think that the men kind of automatically know uh, what they need to get rid of. Anyway, that's principle number four. Principle number five is uh, there are times, uh, and everybody recognizes this, when I'm stronger, when I'm feeling better, when I'm more likely to make healthy decisions. And then there's going to be times when I'm weak, I'm, I'm uh, in an angry place, I'm in a bitter and resentful place, uh, I'm not as capable of making healthy choices. Principle number five is when you're in those healthy places, you need to put uh, a plan in place that will take place when you're in the unhealthy places. Uh, you need, like this guy traveling today, sitting in my counseling office. He's you know more than willing to stay sober in New York City tonight. So you know while he's still uh, around Minneapolis before he gets on the plane later this afternoon, he needs to make some calls and he needs to elicit. And what he did is he sent out an email to his accountability group so that's preparing ahead for a possible time being alone in his hotel room tonight when he might be weaker and that's principle number five prepare ahead for a time that's coming that you know will be more of a challenge we're always thinking ahead we're always preparing ahead that's principle number five number six is it goes back to uh, our discussion of the circles we need to stop something uh We need to defend against all these negative, sinful, sexual behaviors. And we need to be uh, uh, adding in positive behaviors. Uh, That's the green circle stuff we were talking about. It's prayer and meditation and counseling and fellowship and going to group, exercising, having fun, having a hobby, uh, being creative, being productive, being passionate, having a vision. Um, That's all part of what we're building. And I think so many guys have pursued their addiction with passion when they all of a sudden tried to stop, they've got all this passion, and if they're not using it, it will lead them back in their addiction if they're not using it for God's purposes. So uh, principle number six is build something in equal amounts to how you're defending against something. Stop something, but in equal amount, start something. Finally, principle number seven is accountability is a lifetime journey. Uh, if we look at this, this is a three- to six-month program that I need to be on until I get this under control, uh, you know, we're sadly mistaken. This is a management issue for the rest of our lives. So whatever changes you're making, whatever accountability you're building in, know that uh, you're going to do this for uh, however long it takes uh, for the rest of your life. So that's principle number seven. And I fully contend, and I know it to be true for myself, that if we pursue passionately these seven principles, we can stay sober for the rest of our lives.
1: Well, that's the end result. That's the desire. That's the goal of every guy out there that, uh, that struggles with uh, sexual purity issues. Closing statement for our listeners today.
0: What I'm feeling led to say is that uh, if we are true followers of Christ and if we're fully dependent on God, we will then be willing to do whatever it takes. And a lot of this stuff, when I talk about it even quickly today, I know the listeners are thinking, this is a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but it's worth it.
1: You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and we thank you for joining us today. We're enjoying this opportunity to bring you The Basics of Sexual Addiction. And this series, we hope, is being beneficial to you. We hope that this coming week is going to be a week that's filled with many blessings and with great vision.